This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there was a VHS cassette uh, that lived in the basement in which I grew up, and it had these words on the edge of the VHS. It said, life begins at 40. Life begins at 40. <laughs> There's more laughter to life begins at 40 uh, than I anticipated. Uh, but I'm hoping that that's the case, that life begins at 40. Well, here we are in Deuteronomy, and it's been what? 40 years in the wilderness. Now, the VHS that I was actually uh, looking at uh, believe it or not, although some of you will probably believe it pretty quickly, was related to Nickel Plate Roads 765, a Berkshire locomotive that was built 33 years previous that is restored painstakingly outdoors with no covered roof uh, in the late, uh, to, well, mid to late 1970s. Uh, fully restored, and the video is released in 1984. So life begins at 40, because the locomotive was built in when? Someone can do the math, right? 40 years previous to 1984. I know you're all sitting there going, what is that number? Yeah, 1944. So this locomotive's built, and it comes to life, and it's just chugging all around the world. And it still is. It actually lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana today. Uh, so number 675 is set there. They're building it a new home. But you're not here to learn about rebuilt locomotives. You're more worried about what's God doing here in your life on this day. So turn with me. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now to kind of preface with you, I, I know there's a, a little uh, typo uh, as you were kind of reading along and you're here. We were reading this morning from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, that reading of 30 to 34, that was the last reading that some of you are going to read today uh, from your Bible. So you're going, hey, that's my reading for later today. I know, you bet it is. Uh, but Deuteronomy 6 is where we were. But we're going to start in Deuteronomy 1, posing ourselves this question, the one that I raised. Does life begin at 40? That's really my question today. Now, as someone who's going to celebrate his 40th birthday this year, I sure hope so. So we'll find out. So right now, supposing, at least according to a VHS I had as a kid, I have not lived life yet. So... I'm going to get a fresh start here. But we step into Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, you can move. We're going to be around verse 30, but I wanted to kind of bring you in. So before I display it, but we're in Deuteronomy 1. This is starting the 29th verse. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. This is the Lord speaking as they are about to step into the promised land, and they've realized that there are people there already. Then I said to you, do not be afraid or in dread of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Then verse 32. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. It's funny when you actually hear verse 31, it's actually footprints in the sand, right? Did you guys catch that? Turns out footprints in the sand, actually, there's, there's a little bit to it. But in Deuteronomy, it's, they carried you. So God's carrying the people. And then verse 32 says, he told you all of this stuff. You witnessed it, and you still didn't believe. In spite of all the evidence to the contrary, you think God's given up on you. 
I guarantee someone in this room this morning, I guarantee someone in this room believes God has given up on them. There are too many people in this room for there not to be one person who's had a terrible week or a terrible morning who goes, I'm feeling left out. Well, guess what? You've got company in Deuteronomy. Because here you've got Moses as God speaking in three sermons. Moses is sharing uh, what God did for his people. We are getting a recount uh, of all that's taken place thus far. But we're at the end of 40 years, asking ourselves the question, does life begin anew at 40? Now, for some of you at age 40, you've learned, as some of you have told me, my body just stopped being what it was in my first 40. I entered a new quadrant. Some of you are entering your third 40. I get that. Or you're kind of deep into your third 40, and you're going, yeah, just wait, man. 40 was easy. 80 is different. You start crossing other decades, then you start, you start praising God that he gave you today. Like I, I now live, thank the Lord for this day. Well, as we step forward and we think about this promised land that they're moving into, there's a challenge. And the challenge is, will they listen to what God is saying, that is, the people of Israel as they move forward, or are they just going to wander? Deuteronomy 4, jump with me. So we move from, hey, God said he's got you. He picked you up. He carried you like a father carries his son, and you didn't listen. And then in Deuteronomy 4, you get these words, take care. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. You remember when we talked about the covenant a few weeks ago? This is all the way back in Genesis. We had the covenant. Abraham has a covenant cut with God. And remember, or recall from that time, or learn for the first time if you weren't here, uh, that when the covenant's cut, normally at that time an animal would be cut in half and the two parties would walk through it. But remember, Abraham is what when the covenant's cut? Fast asleep. So you get these two things that pass through a fiery pot and this other fire flame that goes through. God does all the work of cutting the covenant. Abraham's fast asleep. So when it comes to cutting the covenant, when it comes to God making an agreement to Abram that he would be the father of many nations, that God would bless the world through him, and that all families would be blessed through Abram's descendants, who did all the work? God. What was Abraham doing? Fast asleep. Now, some of you are feeling really good. You're like, sweet, I was about to fall asleep this morning. So if I sleep, pastor, that means I'm doing the will of God. We could probably have that conversation a little bit later, but uh, I guess your sleep patterns this morning are, are on you. But in Abram's case, indeed, as he slept, and God knew Abram couldn't live up to the responsibility. That's why. Abram as a human being did not have it within him to be perfect. He couldn't. He had been born into a world that is infected with sin. Now, if you look at the rest of that reading, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and you make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. We had a pretty lively conversation this morning in Bible class about what it means to be a jealous God uh, and being cautious to remember who God is. Uh, God made us. God shaped us. We learned that in Genesis. He made us in our image. No other part of creation is made in God's image save human beings. We're unique. But God is jealous for us and our praise and our attention and our devotion. Nothing makes him happier than people actually engaging with the very words of Scripture that he wrote. You're actually engaging with him, what he's left behind for you. As we celebrate with the kids a reminder of baptism, as we will celebrate the Lord's Supper and his presence among us. But to remember what God is calling us to. So he made us. And guess what else we were called when we looked at Genesis? You're no accident. God made you. Nothing about you is an accident. Pick your hand up just for a moment. Just do this. The 
Can you move your arm this way? Can you move your elbow? Can you do anything in that light? Can you walk? Can you hear? Can you talk? Can you blink? Can you turn to the side and focus on something and then turn back to the front here and focus? It's amazing. Now, some of you, your hip didn't move as quick to the left or the right, and some of you, you know, you don't want to have to stand up because you're in the seat and you're happy, so that's why I didn't make you stand up. I know different parts work differently for different, but I'm just sharing with you, you're wonderfully made, wonderfully. And that whole picture why I was doing this is now when we celebrate with, like, robots, we're like, oh, look, we can do this. Congratulations. We can make this. And I realize they've got some of those robots now that they're jumping and doing different things. Do you know who made the robot? Anyone aware of this? Oh, no, God didn't make those robots that are jumping. People did. Who God fearfully and wonderfully made and built them with an intellect to be able to think and do wonderful and marvelous things. And then they use it to the glory of God. But don't, don't miss that. Like, oh, see, we can now do this. We're replacing God. Really? No, you're not. All you did was use God's gift to be able to make something that now looks like and mimics what God did because it turns out he made pretty awesome systems. Uh, the efficiency of, of what it is to be a biped in other places and just the challenge of what it is to balance. It's amazing what God has done for you. But Deuteronomy takes us a little bit further, this fear of making something else. See, the fear of making those robots and others, you start see, look what we made. Remember the Tower of Babel? Look what we made. And God confused language. How quickly we'll say, look what we made, rather than look what I made because God gifted me with the ability to do it. We'll make lots of graven images. This is what's challenging today. Most people in North America say, we're more refined. We don't have any idols in our houses. Oh, you see, you, you scoff, but I guarantee you on another level you'd say, well, I, I've never made a golden calf. I've never smelted anything and, and melted it down so I could make another. I've never done The Old Testament is filled with just heathens. How many of you binged watched several shows and you didn't get through Deuteronomy this week? Hands down. I know. I know. Safe, I should have led with. Hands down, don't tell me. But I had to finish. There were two more shows. I had to finish the season. I mean, you place anything you place in front of God. Now, again, I'm not saying that finishing the book of Deuteronomy was God's only task for you this week. There's lots of reasons why maybe you didn't get to read all of Deuteronomy. But how quickly we make an idol that will step in that place. Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules. This was our reading that you heard earlier this morning. Because in Deuteronomy 6, you get a framework of what God would have for his people. Now, this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. Now, here's what's interesting. When you hear Deuteronomy, for some of you, you thought, more rules. Church has nothing but rules and statutes and guides and all these things, and it's heavyweight, and I don't want it. Because I just want what? I want a church that gives me freedom, right? Do whatever we want. Why is it that we actually don't want do whatever we want? Did you ever think about that? Because the challenge is you've lived enough life collectively to realize if we all did whatever we want, we'd go where? You can say it. Hell in a handbasket. Yeah, I know. There's a couple of you thinking it. You bet. You would. It's exactly where you'd go. Because you've come to realize, even yourself, if you're honest, intellectual honesty tells you if you did all the things that you want, how clean would your house be? Good. We got one. Awesome. One of the youngest members of the church says, good. That's right, man. I love that. That's awesome. Child is like, it's perfect to me, man. Toys are right where they need to be. This is marvelous. Out of the mouths of babes. Isn't it great? They keep us all together. 
That's probably the most honest person. Like, it'd be good. I wouldn't mind it. It'd be my mess. I like it. Well, as we step forward and we hear it, the next piece moves, Deuteronomy 6.3. Here, therefore, Israel. So you've got these statues, but you have this challenge of, I don't want to do it because there's all these rules, and God's going to check, and there's going to be check boxes and others. Here, therefore, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6.3, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So for many people, hearing Deuteronomy and the retelling of Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, the telling in the one section, remember from uh, chapter 27 and 28, we had the blessings and the curses and some of those challenges that come out. You go, man, this is getting kind of heavy. God's doing it so that you might what? So it may go well with you. And that you may multiply greatly. God's desire for giving instructions is that you'd actually do well. Your parents may have been great at giving you instructions, or they could have been terrible at it. But the general premise of instructions that parents give, the general premise is they want things to go well. You may disagree with your parents about what go well means. They could have been real strict. They could have been not strict at all. Different parents have different opinions. But the the objective reality is we want it to go well. And so it is with God teaching us. As you read the narrative, it's not a list of God telling us in the Bible, don't do this, don't do this. It's God saying, do it this way so you'll live. But our natural tendency is to hear someone say, don't do that, and we go, (laughs) I'll show you. Your parents ever say, get back at 11, and you came back at what time? Just to spite them. See, I knew a couple of you. Yeah, some of you a little more bold than me, a couple 1101s. I was probably the 1101 crowd, a couple 1130s. I'm like, whoa, you guys, (laughs) wow. I am really in the midst of some serious troublemakers. But we're always pressing the limit, right? Finish your food. I am done. There's still food on your plate. Oh, I'm done. I want a cookie, though. I mean, really? All right. Did you finish the job? Well, I'll have the project done tomorrow. Your boss is like, the submission was at 5 o'clock tonight. You have 10 minutes. They will not allow the proposal to come in after 5. If it comes in at 5.01, it is what? Oh, no, it's just not received. You've ever done, yeah, you, it's rejected. You ever done a request for a proposal? You get in at 501, it's like it didn't exist. <laughs> you better get in at 459 or 5. Sometimes they're like, 5 is okay. But man, I, I submitted some government grants in my earlier life. <laughs> oh man, it was all hands on deck until it got in because you missed the deadline, done. But when it comes to dealing with God, we want what? Oh God, just give us a little what? Yeah, just give us leeway. Dealing with God, we want, we want just kind of loose-handedness but do you really? See, when someone crosses God and they hurt you, though, you want God to do what? Get them. Sick them, Lord. Go get them. Deuteronomy them. (laughs) And it was on this day we invented a new verb, to Deuteronomy someone. Which, if you're wondering what it would actually mean, it means to retell the law of the Lord. Deutero meaning second, nomos coming from law. So you're just giving the law again. So, I mean, you, I guess you could Deuteronomy someone. <laughs> Grammarians are like, no, you can't, Pastor. You can't invent words. Okay, fine, I can't invent words. But one of the things that we hear as we move forward is uh, the Bible's picture of Deuteronomy, I think some of you are chuckling, is because it also paints this tough reality that there are dark days. See, Deuteronomy is filled with people doing things wrong. The instruction that God says, kind of get this back. And I hope 
that as you read the Bible with us, or if you're stepping in, this is your first day, you're going, this is interesting what this church is doing. They're trying to read the entire Bible. Not just say that we believe, but read the whole thing and walk together. But I want you to hear this as we begin, because we're only five books in. Don't check your intellect at the door. I shared this in Bible class, and I echo it now. I hope that over the year, as you read, you recognize that the Bible gives you a picture of the world. And one of the things God's Scripture should give to you is it should synthesize with the world you're seeing, meaning it should help you understand what's going around you. I mean, I would suggest to you that's a great question that you should be posing to the world around you as you read. As you read Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, Ezra, Nehemiah, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Romans, Matthew, does the picture that the Bible has of the world match what you see? Does it help you understand what's happening around you or is it completely obtuse and has nothing to do with it? It's an old ancient text that for whatever reason just these stuck-up people gather together and they sing some songs, some of which I like and others, I don't know. Well, you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> it helps you understand completely what's happening around you. And it gives you a picture of a God who shaped this world and watched it go to hell in a handbasket and said, I won't let it. A God who said, I will not allow that to be the case. I am going to step in and use a people, in this case, the descendants of Abraham, to be a special people, ones who are set apart. Deuteronomy chapter 30, jump ahead, we're going we're to leap over uh, from Deuteronomy 6, this hero Israel, which is a pivotal text for the nation. So as you're moving to Deuteronomy 30, let me just kind of walk you into 30. From 6, this is a pivotal text for the people of Israel. Why? Because it's called the great Shema. You're going, that means nothing to me. I know. Well, it means hero Israel. Shema is listener here in Hebrew. So when they say it, for a Hebrew, the center part for them is hear. If you want to understand God, you have to listen. And you can't listen to God if you're not listening to his word, whether you're reading or someone's reading it to you. It's all about listening and receiving from God. So as we listen from God, the text goes further a little bit later in chapter 6, and it says, or as we heard, closer to verse 8 and 9, that you would put it as frontlets on your forehead. You guys ever seen someone uh, sit there and they've got all their like, you know, very conservative Jewish attire on? And you're like, what in the world is on their head? That's the weirdest, funkiest ball cap I've ever seen. No ball cap. It's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. They wrote it in really, really small letters. Do you know why? Because they heard that they should take that and they should put it on their frontlets. So you know what they did? They took the verse, they rolled it up, and they put it on their frontlet. And they said, I need this word on the front of my head because if I don't have it, guess what I'm going to do? Ooh, look, a bird. Oh, ooh, a squirrel. They're going to wander. And they said, when I wander, I want to make sure that somewhere in my wanderings, I go, hey, look, flower. Oh, God, yeah, thank you. I'm reminded. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. They were a monotheistic people in a polytheistic world. Ladies and gentlemen, you live in a polytheistic world, which means there are gods everywhere. And most of them don't have names like God. You know what they're called? I'm sorry, I'll offend a couple, but it's, it's appropriate on this day. Thank you. It's exactly where I was going. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I hope some of you want to come watch the game. We're going to do other stuff and have fun. Truth is, whenever we've gathered, guess what? Like, no one watches the game. It's funny. I'm fine with that. But there are so many other gods that have stepped in, but now they don't have God names. They don't say Baal. They don't say Asherah. So you're convinced that it's not a god at all. Oh, no, it's just something else. 
Satan will work in his wonderful little conniving ways where you say, well, it's not actually a foreign god because it's not made out of gold uh, and it's not a graven image and I didn't carve it out of wood or anything else, so it's obviously not a problem. Could you leave? I have to continue watching my show. It's not a problem. Can you not do that? I'm saving up for my retirement. Can you not do that? I have to make sure that uh, I have this done because I'm, I'm meeting with my club. And you can name anything you want. You just realize, wow, what is it that I've placed in front of God? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1, as you were all waiting there, I said I'd get back. And when these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the, God, where the Lord your God has driven you, when those happen, because the previous chapters, chapter 28 and 29, said filled with blessings and curses, when those come, because God said what? He told you the world was going to be tough. Remember when I said, don't set your intellect behind? God actually said the world was going to be filled with some real tough days. Anyone had a tough day? Yeah, man, they happen. Anyone had a tough season? Anyone have a tough decade? Anyone going, where's my good life now? Yeah. <laughs> like, where is that? Return to the Lord your God. You and your children obey his voice in all that I command you today. With all your heart and all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you from all the peoples where the Lord has scattered you. Some of you are going, man, I could take some of that. I could take some Deuteronomy. Lord, Deuteronomy, my life. Yeah, because Deuteronomy isn't about God trying to push you away. It's about God actually calling you back home. Deuteronomy is reminding you that God has set up a structure so that you might be in his presence. But you know the rest of the story. You know it doesn't end at Deuteronomy 30. You know that the scattered people find themselves drawn completely back into a God who will make his presence known in the one we call the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, the chosen one, the one the prophets we will hear of again and again and again over the coming weeks and months. Move down to verse 19 in that same chapter. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. This is God describing the world. We're wrapping up. We're in the final four chapters as Moses' life is coming to end. This is the end of his sermon. Can you imagine that? A guy who's been preaching his whole life, and he's got one final sermon. This is where he goes. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. This is God's vision for you, life. It's not death. It's not commandments. It's not restrictions. It's life that you may live long in the land that I'm giving to you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Some of you are like, where's my milk? A few lactose intolerant people are going, don't want milk. Okay, fine. Where's my lactate? I'm sorry. <laughs> A couple of you are like, you're doing great. Right till you got there, Pastor. Then I lost you. Uh, but that God's blessing is coming. Look to what happens then as we take verse 19 into 20. See, he says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. This is God's picture. The picture of Deuteronomy is not restriction, it's gift. The gift of a land that God go, gave to a people who weren't more prolific in number than any other, they're actually what? The Bible describes them as what? Small and insignificant. God took that insignificant group and made them great. Remember when we looked at Moses? How was Moses as a leader? Timid and reluctant. 
He only does it because he gets another voice in his brother, Aaron, and that God says, I've got you. I've got your back every day. You sure you got me? I got you. You sure? Yeah, I've got you. You sure? Yeah. And he goes, all right, I'll do it. But I'll do it with a little apprehension in my step. God speaks through Moses and says, I will take care of you. So we end where we started. Does life begin at 40? Yes, it does. For the people of Israel, as they sit there on the edge, it's a new beginning. As Moses looks down from Mount Nebo and sees into the promised land, he sees a future, and it's bright. But guess what else? Life begins at 60, it begins at 80, it begins at 18, it begins at eight weeks, it begins at conception. Life is there from beginning to end, from when your heart beats until your heart stops beating. Because the Lord has set that rhythm in your heart and in your mind. May you be strengthened by a Lord who guards you and guides you each and every day, who will not let you go, so it may go well with you in the land. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.